0: As you know, we're studying through the book of Exodus, our worship services, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, generally on Wednesday evening, such as tonight. We're going to take a portion of the scripture text, which we have previously studied, and uh, look back for just a few moments to allow the Lord to speak to our hearts through it. This evening, we're sneaking a couple of verses in on top of that, however, and so if you will look with me at verses 19 20. I want you to think with me on this subject, where is God when you need Him. Where is God when you need Him? I've talked with people who have needed God in a big way in their lives and who have asked that very question. Brother Tom, I was having such a problem. Where was God when I needed Him? And that's the subject for this evening. I was thinking today about um, an experience of of a family that had just moved into... Uh, the town. Uh, not too long ago, they uh, arrived on a Monday, and, of course, they were trying to get their house all in order, and it was one of those days where the husband had to go off to work, of course, and he, he left uh, everything to, uh, to his wife. The previous day, the previous Sunday, the family had been in a motel and had decided to go to uh, a church, uh, to a worship service at a local church not far from their house, and on their visitor's card, they had put down their new address... And, uh, boy, this Monday, I mean, this was a terrible, terrible Monday. Uh, the, uh, the guy from the gas company showed up, you know, and so she had to stop everything she was doing and talk with him. And then the people from the electric company and the people from the phone company and uh, various folks were coming by and things were not ready in the house and the moving van people were in there. And uh, she had, had made some statement about the fact that if God doesn't help me, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do before uh, her, my husband gets home. And uh, about that time, the local pastor of the church they had visited on Sunday walked up to the front porch and was standing there about to knock on the door. The screen do- the, not the screen door, but the storm door was uh, uh, closed, but the main door was open so you could see through the glass. He's about to knock on the door when her son looked through the door and saw this man. And uh, she had just said, you know, if God doesn't help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he said, Mama, the guy that works for God is here now. So, uh, you know, he was a, he, he was a, a real believer in, in our prayer request. Well, you know, sometimes I'd like to have that kind of uh, at least immediately obvious response when I need the Lord. And so the topic this evening, where is God when you need Him? Now, the passage of Scripture, which we're going to look at in the next few moments, describes what happened when the children of Israel found themselves facing the Red Sea. They were there having followed the cloudy uh, pillar, you know, in the daytime and the pillar of fire at night. And they had followed all the way to the Red Sea. They were facing the Red Sea. They turned around and looked behind them and chasing them was the army of Pharaoh. In fact, 600 of the finest charioteers in the world at that time were leading these armies. I mean, this was an incredible host Coming out after them And of course the, uh, the Israelites Were armed with, with nothing Whereas uh, the Egyptians Were armed with everything So see in front of you Cloudy pillar there You're there because you followed God Supposedly in the words of Moses Behind you the enemy And the gap is narrowing I mean just every second They're burning daylight They are scared to death They are in what you know We could honestly say Is a real situation Now I want to mention something else before we read the Scripture. I I, I think there's some people here among us tonight who can identify with that. I know I have been in situations before, and you have too, where what I felt was needed at that moment was the manifest presence of God. I mean, I really was needing God to show up. I can call some specific times in my life when because of some, some events that had transpired, I felt that uh, if the Lord didn't show up, I wasn't sure what kind of meaning my life would have in the future. I mean, just desperate moments. Now, maybe you can't identify with that. Maybe you can't. Uh, it could be that uh, uh, you have been touched physically in such a way that your, your heart cries out, Lord, where are you? It could be that something's happened in your family and you're looking at the events and you're watching things become unraveled in your home and your heart is crying out, God, you know, I love you. I've tried to follow you. I've done my best as a husband or as a wife, as a mom or as dad. Why is this thing coming unraveled? Where are you? I need you. Here are all these promises about training up kids in the way they should go. Hadn't seemed to work in my situation. Where are you when I need you the most? It could be that something's happened to you like that in your business. Uh, I've been in situations in church where, you know, I just felt like the Lord didn't show up within 24 hours and bail us out. I didn't know what would happen. I'm not talking about financial decisions. I'm just talking about church decisions where we were poised and ready to move ahead, but we needed a great moving of God. Where is God when you need Him? It may be something uh, in your own heart, maybe a... A personal very quiet struggle a battle that's going on in your own relationship with the Lord maybe you haven't told anybody about this and you're just saying Lord I've been just I've been just going on and going on and persevering and persevering and I keep thinking any day things are gonna change and day after day has passed and week after week has passed and I'm not better I'm worse my spiritual life is growing cold, where are you? I need you. Where are you? And so that's the subject this evening. Where is God when you need him? Stand with me, if you will, please. And let's look at two verses, 19 and 20, Exodus chapter 14. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed, all of a sudden, this pillar of fire, this angel of God, which went before them, Also, there was a pillar of fire, cloudy pillar in the daytime. And so the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Get the picture. They are facing the Red Sea. Here is this cloud. There's an angel. God said, I have sent an angel to lead you. There's an angel. All of a sudden, this angel of God, this cloudy pillar moves. I don't know whether it goes over or goes around, But the children of Israel, the thing's gone. They turn around and gasp, and between them and the Egyptians, there's the pillar of fire behind them. So it removes and went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them. That is, the Egyptians were in darkness, but it gave light by night to these. So the Israelites had light, so that the one came not near the other all night. All of a sudden, Pharaoh's army came to a screeching halt. They were in in incredible darkness. They said, we can't go any further. And so everything ground to a halt for a moment, all right? Now, I want you to uh, underline some words. Verse 19, and the angel of God which went before, underline that word, before, before. All right, go down to the next to the last verse, the next to the last word in that same verse. Underline the word behind. And then go down to verse 20, and it came between. So we have before, behind, between. And some of you already can guess where we are headed. Where is God when you need Him? Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to the truths of the scripture and I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, be please. Sometimes uh, I meet people who impress me with the fact that seemingly they have never needed God. It's not always something that is an attribute of the young You know, many times they are young people and, you know, life is wonderful and carefree and no big problems. And if you ask them, has there ever been a time when you have desperately needed God, they would say no. But I want to tell you this. I have never met anyone who has grown up in the faith whose life did not have in it on more than one occasion some measure of Desperation. I don't know of anybody who's grown up in the faith. I know of a lot of immature people who who talk about being Christians and have not grown up, do not have a mature faith. But you meet somebody who has a mature faith and you'll discover that there have been in their lives moments of desperation, maybe spiritual, maybe soulish, emotional may be physical, may have been financial, may have been family, may have been business, their finances, you name it, but they have come on more than one occasion in their lives to moments of desperation. Now, let me me just give you a thought, and you can take this home and chew on it if you want to uh, later on this evening. All of us like to feel that uh, we are... We are the beneficiaries of, of God's revelation of Himself, God's showing Himself to us. But I want to remind you that in the Scripture, desperation always precedes revelation. Let me say it again. Desperation always precedes revelation. So if you want to be a person who is mighty in the faith, If you want to know, be a person who knows God in ways other people will never know Him, just count on the fact that there will be in your life moments of desperation. I can't tell you the number of people who have uh, in, in quiet conversations shared with me some incredible spiritual insight. And I would ask them this question, where in the world did you, did you come across that? And they will tell me of an event in their life in which it seemed that, it, you know, if God didn't show up, they couldn't go on. They were just desperate. I talked to a man one time who said, uh, I live with incredible pain. Uh, as it turned out, uh, he was later diagnosed as having... A, uh, having cancer of the, vom- of the bone. And he said, I live with incredible pain. He says, it doesn't just come and go. He said, there is not a moment when I am not in pain. He said, uh, I rarely sleep more than just a few minutes at night. He said, I'm up and down, up and down. He said, I cannot find any position whatsoever where I'm comfortable. He said, I just live with pain. And the longer I talked to this man, the more I discovered that I was talking with someone who knew God in a way I did not know him. There was a quietness about his life, there was a calm assurance about his life, there was a depth about his life, there was a wisdom in his counsel about his life. And so I asked him, I said, when did you begin to learn all of these things? And he said, Tom, he said, uh, I don't know, but he said, I'll tell you what, my walk with God moved forward in quantum leaps only when I developed this illness. And he said, the truth of the matter is, he said, as badly as as, bad, as I hate feeling the way I do, I wouldn't give it up to know God the way I have known him. My life has been greatly influenced by uh, Dr. E.F. Halleck, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Norman for many, many years, during during its years of great growth great ministry of the students. And Preacher Halleck is the one who taught me the principle of Bible promises, that is the principle of finding the will of God as revealed by the Spirit of God through the Word of God, and doing it in a way that is not so subjective, but really leaves, you know, no question but that this is God moving in a specific way. And, and Preacher Halleck taught about Bible promises. One day, I was sitting, uh, Ralph, I think you were, Ralph's gone, he's, where are you, out right there? You weren't sitting up here, you were right out there. I, boy, these guys give me a start every once in a while when they slip down like that, you know, and then I look out and I know that you and I would have gone up in the rapture, so that sure leaves, uh, uh, so I think Ralph was, Ralph was in this meeting. Uh, we, were, we were at Preacher Halleck's house, we were just sort of sitting on the floor, and, and um he told me something about his life. Told us something about his life I never knew. He said, "Tom, he said, you know, there was a time when, uh, and this is years ago. He said I I uh, found myself considerably overweight, and he said um, I I went on some diet pills. He said they had they'd just come on the market, and he said um, I don't know what these things did to me. He said." Uh, they threw me into a terrible depression. He said, um, it was awful. He said, I was sleepless. He said, I, I, was, uh, I became paranoid. He said, here I was, pastor of this large church. He said, I lived with fear. And then he went on to say, uh, he said, now, you, you don't know the depths of my fear. He said, I began to be afraid that I, would, I was going to take my own life. He said uh, we would travel, and he said in the motel room I would always check in and make sure we got, a, got the ground floor because I was afraid that I was going to jump out the window. He said, I, he said there were times, he said, I would sit up all night with my back against the wall. He said, I remember a time on a, uh, on a vacation when I took my knife and cut a piece of rope on a swing into pieces because I was afraid that in a moment of depression I might hang myself. He said, there was another time in my life uh, during that same period of time, he said, he said, we had a gun in our house. He said, I took that gun and he said, I disassembled it because I was afraid I was going to to take my life. Now, this is a great, great preacher. And I said, what in the world brought you out of that? And he said, I just kept calling out to God. And he said, suddenly... He said, God began to reveal to me how he could speak to my heart through the Scripture. And he said, it was in those dark days that I learned the principles of Bible promises. So what he had to share with me and with others over the years that was of such tremendous benefit was what he learned in moments of desperation. Let me say it again. If you want to grow in the Lord, you can count on the fact that you will come to moments of desperation because desperation precedes revelation. And I think I can look out here and I would imagine there are many, many people who say that in my life at this moment, there is a quiet sense of desperation which should be good news because it means God is preparing to reveal himself to you in a fresh way. The children of Israel were at a point of desperation. Think about it. They have gone from elation when they came out of the land of Egypt. They came out with a high hand. I mean, you can imagine, they were praising God. They followed God. There was this cloudy pillar, angelic presence there, whether they could see the angel or not, I don't know this messenger of God which stayed with them all the way through their wilderness journey. And there was this cloudy pillar, and they were following it at night. It turned into a cloud of fire, and they followed it. It was an incredible event for them, but they followed it right to the Red Sea. And there standing at the Red Sea, they suddenly found themselves in a desperate situation. Pharaoh's finest were on their heels. Where was God when they needed him? Well, first of all, when you need God, as they discovered, God is before you. That's the first word I had, to, had you to circle or to underline. God is before you. What does it mean when somebody is before you? Well, it means a couple of things. First of all, it means that they are giving you some direction, a sense of, of purpose, a, a plan. I'm out here in front of you, this is where I'm going. But also there is preparation. He is out there preparing the way. I will go before you. I will prepare a way for you. And so there is this sense of preparation. By the way, God is not going before you in two different directions right now in your life. You can't just flip a coin and pick a plan for your life and assume that God is going to go before you. God is before you on the pathway he has selected for your life. Let me give you an illustration of this. When Abraham was asked of God to sacrifice Isaac, his son, on the mountain there, which is now the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, God said, I want you to go three days' journey, and I want you to go find the mount that I show you, and there I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, And the Bible says that Abraham took his son, took the wood, there was a servant with them for a while, and they made their way three days' journey to the mountain God showed him. And once they found the mountain that God showed him, Abraham went up on the mountain. And you remember it was there that while Isaac was stretched out on that altar... And the wood was prepared, and Isaac was asking, questioning his father, "'Father, where is the sacrifice?' And, 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 and uh, Abraham said, "'Well, God will prepare himself a lamb.'" It was at that moment, as he was about to plunge that knife in the body of his son, it was at that moment that the angel stopped the hand of Abraham and that Abraham, looking off to his side... Saw the ram caught in the thicket. Now, here's what don't you see? The ram was caught on in the thicket on that mountain, not on some other mountain. Now, what I'm saying here is this: You don't just haul off and do your will and say God bless it. You don't just live your life following your plan and expect that God is going to be before you, preparing the way for you. He will go before you as long as you are on the path. He has chosen for you. But when you come to a moment of desperation as the children of Israel, you say, Lord, where are you? He's before you. He's preparing a way, and he's showing you how to get there. He is before you. But he's more than before you. You circle another word there. He is also behind you. By the way, this is the first time that the children of Israel had ever seen this. Always before, he had been the God before them. Now he was the God behind them. That cloudy pillar, that angel, moved up over the children of Israel and moved around behind the children of Israel. Now, what does it mean when someone is behind you? Well, it means that they are ensuring your safety. Let me give you an illustration of this. Jonathan, Saul's son, was with his father one very fateful day when Saul's army was in absolute disarray. Get the picture. They're on a plateau over here. Saul is sitting under a tabernacle tree. They look across the valley in which there are some tall rocks over to another plateau. And over here is the enemy. The enemy has amassed such a troop that Saul's heart on this plateau begins to tremble. And he does what men do when they don't spend time with God. He's just frantic. He says, "Uh, um, uh, number the troops. And he says, no, 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 don't number the troops. I've changed my way. And he says, "Uh, go get get the priest in the ephod. No, 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 don't go get the priest in the ephod. He has no idea what to do. He's just frantic and frenetic. In the meantime, Jonathan, his son, says to his armor bearer, he says, come with me. And they go down in the valley here and they get behind a rock. And Jonathan says to his son, he says, you know, it's no big deal with God to save by many or to save by few. He said, I've got a plan. He said, let's step out from behind this rock and show the two of us down here. And the Philistines up there say, come up here, we'll show you a thing. We'll go up there and show them a thing, or two, or three. And so the armor bearer said this to Jonathan. He said, go your way. Do what is in your heart. I am with you. And with that encouragement from his armor bearer, he stepped out. The Philistines had Come up, they went up, they cleaned off a half acre of Philistines, and all of a sudden the entire Philistine army went was put to flight. And that day Israel slew all its Philistines. Do what is in your heart. I am with you. What was the job of the armor bearer? Well, it was not just a tote gear, that was part of it. But what he was saying, he said, turn. He said, when you look behind you, here's what you're going to find. I am with you. You won't have to wonder where I am. He said, any time you turn, you read in there, turn ye, look behind you. He said, I am with you. What he was saying was, while you're, you're fighting in that direction, I'm back here fending off the enemy in this direction. I'm going to see that you get the job done. Don't worry about your backside. I've got it covered. So what does it mean when God says, I'm not only before you, preparing a way, leading you forward, I am behind you, what? Protecting you. I'm gonna protect you, I'm gonna see that as long as you're walking in my will, you are protected. I remember a time when um, Gene and I were living in another town, I was pastoring a church, and our church was getting ready to launch out into a great uh, endeavor. And just about that time, there were a couple of people in the church who came to my office and they said, you know, the two of us got talking over lunch and and we just don't think this is a good idea. And uh, we think that um, we ought to get some people together and, and just explain to them that this is, maybe we ought to back up, maybe we ought to have another plan. Boy, that just, that just threw me into a quandary. I thought, man, we've got such a big thing to do How in the world are we going to get it done if there is any kind of defection out here? It's going to take everybody on board. And I remember getting on my face on the floor of that office. And as I was reading the Word of God, God showed me a great passage of Scripture in the book of Psalms which says that He would cover me in His pavilion and He would protect me from the strife of tongues. And you know something? I just climbed up on that Bible promise and I just rested on it. I said, God, I know what you're saying. I am going to go forward. We're going to fight this battle. You can handle those two guys. You know what? Those two guys went to a couple of other guys who gave them absolutely no approval whatsoever. In fact, they got in their face and said, Do you realize what you're doing? They ended up coming back to me and said, You know, when we went to some friends of ours, they showed us what idiots were. Pastor, we're sorry we ever approached. He will protect you from the strife of tongues. God is the God before you when you need him. God is the God behind you when you need him. Where else is God? You circle the word between. God will remain between you and your enemies. He will make it clear that there is a difference. When you are crying out to him and you say, Lord, I have need, when you are crying out to him, he will make it clear that there is a difference in this world between those who believe and those who don't believe. Isn't it incredible that the same pillar that brought such light to the Israelites was creating such darkness for the Egyptians. What was perfectly clear to the believers was nothing but confusion to the unbelievers. God says, I'm going to stand here between you and all that the devil can hurl against you. Not just from in front or one side or the other or behind you, I will make it clear there is a difference between those who are my people and those who are not my people. We're going to come to a passage of Scripture in the 30th chapter of the book of Exodus in a year or two. (laughs) We're not in any hurry. I mean, Jesus comes and we're still in Exodus. That's okay. You know, at least we're studying His Word, right? And so we're going to come to a passage of Scripture in the 30th chapter of the book of Exodus where the Lord says to the children of Israel, actually says to Moses, he said, I am so grieved at what you've done, making this golden calf, that I'm going to destroy this entire band of Israelites, and uh, Moses, I'll give you a new batch. And Moses' heart was tied to these people. He said, Lord, the Bible says he went up on a mountain. He began to make an atonement for these people. He said, Lord, if you will deliver this people. If not, blot me, I pray you, out of the book which you've written. I mean, this is a pastor's prayer for his people. Well, as God says to Moses, he said, all right, Moses, he said, I'll, I'll do what the children of Israel want me to do. Now, here's what it was. He said, I will protect you, I will direct you, and I will keep my promise to you. You'll end up in the land of Canaan. But he said, now, before you go back down and tell them all these things, let me just tell you one other thing. I'll do those things, protect you, direct you, get you there to Canaan. I just won't be with you. See, you can have God's stuff without having his presence. Lost people have stuff just like you have stuff. It rains on their garden like it rains on yours. See, you can have God's provision without having his presence. That's why it's so stupid to measure your faith in the amount of stuff you have which is what a lot of what you see on television these days would make you think that if you have a great deal of faith, then then your your life is surrounded by glitter. He said, I'll give you protection. I'll give you direction. I'll see that you get to Canaan. I just won't be with you. Man, that was a sobering word to Moses and to the children of Israel. And so the Bible says that uh, Moses told the people about this. They started taking off all the things that were gaudy and then they stood there at their tent door and Moses went out to a tent outside the camp and he fell before God and he began to pray. And here's what he said. He said, "'Lord, if your presence go not with us, carry us not up from here. For wherein shall it be known that I and these people are yours?' Is it not in that thou goest with us? See, he could have said, well, we're known by the Red Sea. We're known by the cloudy pillar. We're known by the incredible presence of God. We're known by the manna. We're known by the quail. We're known by the water. We're known by the fact that we've stayed alive here. He said, no, there's only one thing that really separates us and distinguishes us from all the people that are on the earth, that you go with us. See, we could say that as a church. Lord, if your presence go with us, not with us, carry us not up from here. Wherein shall we be known? Is it this steeple? Is it this building? Is it this property? Is it it anything that we have? No. For if your presence go not with us, carry us not up from here. For wherein shall it be known that we and these people, that we are yours? Is it not in that you are with us? Where's God when you're in trouble? Well, he's before you. He's preparing a way for you. Where is God when you need him? He's behind you, protecting you. Where is God when you need him? He's between you and all that would assault you. The simple answer to this question is, you know, where is God when you need him? He's there. Right where you need him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this reminder in your word tonight through the simple illustration of... You're moving the pillar of fire, the cloudy pillar, from the front to the backside of Israel, protecting them, preparing a way for them, showing the difference between them and all the unbelievers of the world. Lord, I pray that as our hearts cry out to you tonight, that any person here who is living in desperation, maybe it's concern for someone else, maybe for themselves, maybe it's family, maybe it's finances, maybe it's physical health, maybe it's business, Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that tonight, as we cry out to you, we would understand that our desperation always precedes your revelation of yourself to us. Father, may we take comfort in the fact that you are here. And I pray these things in Jesus' wonderful and matchless name. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed during these next few moments, we've come to a time of invitation. Just a moment or so, our praise singers are going to be leading us as we sing a song of invitation. Your invitation, I'm just verbalizing it, but it's your invitation. The altar is open here. Prayer warriors will be coming. Counselors will be coming. If you've made a decision in a recent service, such as Sunday morning or Sunday evening, we haven't introduced you in one of our services. Would you come and be seated down here to your right where it says seating for new members? I believe the Lord's speaking to some about joining this church tonight. Would you do that? Would you just make your way to an aisle, come forward, find a counselor and say, look, I want to join or we want to join this church, become a part of this church family tonight? It could be the Lord speaking to your heart. He's calling you in some particular way and you want to respond. It could be you have a prayer burden. You simply want to come, kneel here at this altar and say, Lord, I thank you that you are here. You are here right when I need you. You've never forsaken me. Underneath me are your everlasting arms. You're the one who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You have kept your promise. It could be, dear friend, that you do not have confidence in your relationship with God to the extent that you believe and know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. And here's Jesus who died on the cross for your sins, who has risen from the grave, having paid the price for your sins, and is alive today. And he promises that if you will repent of sin and trust in him, he will give you forgiveness and cleansing of sin abundant and eternal life all yours if you will simply trust in him would you make that decision come tell a counselor look my coming I'm coming trusting in Jesus I'm coming trusting in Jesus let's stand together father in heaven I pray trusting that in these moments your holy spirit will bring to this altar those who will say yes to you and I pray it in Jesus wonderful and matchless name.